Namo tassa pakawato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa pakawato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa pakawato arahato sama sambutasa. Putang tamang sankang namasami. So this is the halfway point of the time of the retreat. Today we had the burning of the great pile of refuse and junk and stuff. There wasn't too much of it, mostly wood. And that was very well done, so thank you for sorting that out. So, like cleaning the Aegean stables was a huge job. And so, in honor of that, we chanted the, or we recited the fire. Sutta. I like this way where we just say it in English. It's meaningful. And the the Var Sutta and like so many of the analyses that we have from Theravada Buddhism are always pointing to the limitations of sense experience. And that we don't understand those limitations. So in the case of the fire sermon, it burns us. And not in the way of the fire burning us if we stick our hand in it, but in the way of suffering. And so the fire, the eye is burning with greed, hatred, and delusion. The body is burning with greed, hatred, and delusion. The mind is burning with greed, hatred, and delusion. And that's always from ignorance. It's not that our sense experience is evil or bad per se. It's just not understanding the limitations of sense experience and then expecting more from it than it can give and then investing a lot into it and then being disappointed or impassioned or whatever it might be by our, our minds and bodies and sense experience. So if you look at that or you look at the Four Noble Truths, attachment to craving, or if you look at dependent origination, how uh, with, with contact is feeling, uh, there is Vedana and with contact, Vedana, Tanha, and Upadana, of attachment to, to our sense experience that causes us suffering. So many of the teachings are pointing to the very, very same thing all the time, different ways of ana- analyzing it, different analogies, different metaphors. Always coming to that, the same conclusion that the, the liberation of the heart, the peace of the heart, does not lie in, in sense experience per se. And again, one has to be careful not to take a kind of puritanical attitude towards sense experience and say that it's bad to have fun or it's bad to enjoy eating good food or it's bad to feel comfortable or it's bad da 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 because that would be a another position you take a negation of life in in some very um, dour and, and uh, way of self mortification. So the Buddhist teachings always really arising from wisdom understanding rather than from a kind of hateful position or dismissal, whatever. And and the wisdom of the Buddha, from what we read, comes from his own experience of the uh, unconditioned. He realizes something which is not dependent on sight, sounds, smells, taste, bodily feelings, and, and mind objects. And so what else is there? What else is there but that? Seems like that's all there is. So I've been talking to some of you, and I, I'm suggesting to 
one of the exercises I was suggesting to receive this, this morning was squeeze your right hand and then squeeze your left hand and squeeze your right hand and notice the change you have a feeling of a tactile feeling in the right hand and then you have a tactile feeling and that's changing notice the change and to do that you have to be very quiet if you're just thinking what's he talking about you're not noticing so you do it you squeeze squeeze notice the change and then I ask the people notice the unchanging what's not changing in that experience and so I said I look to the right and you see something as a visual image look to the left a different visual image and notice the change and notice it's what's not changing change the sense object listen to sound feel your stomach rumbling listen to sound feel your body sitting here two sense doors they're different like sound is different bodily feeling is different what is it it's unchanging and do that with thought notice before you think then think today is monday notice the end of the thought notice the changing thought what is it it's unchanging you go through like this with the senses and you begin to intuit that that consciousness or awareness is unchanging and to notice that is not you don't get that from desire not the desire to get a happy experience it's more of a noticing from wisdom and from, from the subtlety of meditation that we've been doing meditation now on this retreat for a goodly length of time so the mind settled down sure there's stuff coming out but the mind has a certain settledness in it you can do things like that you just can really simplify and and and, and notice that notice the, what is unchanging so visual perception i notice and i can hear so i notice change and i notice the unchanging and then take your breath so feel your breath feel the body breathing you know you know you know and then you notice the changing and then by notice the changing you you go well, what's unchanging what's unchanging you notice that and do walking meditation walk back and forth back and forth and notice the bodily movements the changing the um, visual perceptions whatever changing cold if you're outside or if you're inside notice change and then notice what's unchanging keep doing that keep noticing the unchanging and that begins to give you that intuition of where the threshold of peace lies it's not a dismissal of sense experience it's just noting something that is more subtle than just the beauty and ugliness of our sense experience attraction and repulsion of our sense experience i know and if you do that if you just do that you notice left hand right hand to notice change you have to be quiet if you're thinking you're not going to know what the heck i'm talking about so you have to be quiet just to stop thinking try to not try to figure anything out you have to do it you have to do it yes let's just do it and do any any sense perception you can do that when you're eating right so you can 
tuck into the food and then it gets a bit boring, your mind starts to think. You think how many how many bitefuls of food before you're planning something, maybe the next meal or whatever. But but actually just um just then noticing maybe your mind is wandering, whatever, which is fine, no big deal. But rather than just trying to concentrate on the food in some kind of way your mind never wanders, just notice the changing nature of food texture or food taste. Notice that change, then notice what's unchanging. So the perception of change isn't just about the objects that we are experiencing. It has a purpose. It's not just a, a um, kind of a scientific fact from which we then plan our lives. It's not like that. Because, you know, the scientific fact of change is not very difficult. Everyone knows that. But to actually use use a, a still mind to notice change and then notice that which is unchanging is a meditative, contemplative uh, exercise. And the more you do that, the more you do that, then that noticing becomes much, much stronger. And it, again, it's that you're, you're, not, you're not getting anything, you're just noting something that's always there. It's very different. Now you find with bliss, or in a kind of really incredibly insightful experiences, these can come and go, but to repeat them, then that requires a sort of sense of searching for something, looking for something. But this isn't, no, you're, not, you're not looking for any particular experience, you're just noticing something that's always there. It was unchanging. You have to be quiet to notice change. So hence, we need some kind of lifestyle and, and, and attitudes and um, exercises of grounding ourselves. And so like if you think about walking meditation, you go back and forth, that's a very composed, collected way of using your body, being in the present moment. It's not extraordinary. And and even if your mind is quite busy with something, you can still just notice the business and just feel your body moving. And then say, what's unmoving? What's not moving? What's unchanging? And that you cannot find as an object. You can just notice that. Of course, the peace of the mind, awareness, knowing, consciousness, doesn't really matter. If you try to look for it, then you're, you're caught into seeking some experience. But it's always here. It's not a matter of time. It's always at this moment. We have some exercise machines in the Bhikkhu Vihara. And so I try to do a very minimal amount of exercise to try to stay alive for a, bit, for a few more years. And uh, so I was just observing how like I try to do maybe half an hour and keep my heart rate at 120, which is, which is no big deal. But it's a bigger deal than just sitting in my chair. So I, uh, uh, if, if let's say I'm, I'm in shape, uh, I'm not in, I'll never be in shape again. But, <laughs> but if I'm just a, like if I've been on the road traveling and not doing my exercises and so on, then when I get back here, then... Um, I get on the machine, and I and immediately I look at the timer. Thirty seconds. I can do half an hour of this. Right, so the, the feeling when I look at the timer is one of desire. I want, I want to get, I want to get this thing finished because it's, it's uh, marginally uncomfortable. Right? Now, if I keep looking at the timer. And it becomes a very grueling half an hour. Very kind of grueling, oh God, another minute, 
another minute, another minute. And I'm just, all I'm doing is I'm just wrapped up in desire. My mind looks at the timer. It's insufficient. It has not moved fast enough. Another 25 minutes. Oh, and that's all desire. And, 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 and the exercise becomes very kind of unpleasant. But if I, if I notice a sense of when is this going to be finished, and I don't buy into it, and I just notice the changing feeling of the body, just the changing feeling of the body, and put some effort forth, and it's not overly vigorous, really, it's just enough. And I, and I contemplate what is unchanging. What's unchanging in this? Then the exercise is actually quite easy. And each time my mind moves towards uh, oh, another five minutes or it's, you know, keep looking at the clock, I look at the clock with desire for the clock to hit 30. Uh, how much more? How much more? It's a kind of desire there. But when I do the exercise and I'm just, I notice, I notice my heartbeat or, 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 or whatever and, and my muscles and all of that, and I notice the changing nature of the the bodily experience, and then I say, oh, now what's unchanging? That always takes me to non-desire, and I let go of the time. And then I do it for a while, and then maybe uh, I get a bit tired, and then that tiredness, and and um, maybe boredom, whatever, tiredness uh, makes me look at the clock again, because I don't want the tiredness. I want to get out of here, get this thing finished, and then I look at the clock, and, and again, that's desire. And if I notice that, then I say, yeah, but what does it feel like to row or to be on the, the treadmill we have or whatever? And what is it that is not moving? And if I keep going back to that, then what am I doing? I'm, I keep dropping the desire for it to get finished, but it gets finished. I have a larger over, overarching desire to, to stay you know, somewhat fit so I don't fall about in fires and things. So that's a kind of wholesome, general kind of desire. It's not not based on on craving. It's just sounds like a good idea. But the other is more based on on uh, I want a bodily experience, or I, I don't want this bodily experience. And that's very much like the, the the mind is burning. The mind is burning with greed, hatred, and delusion, and the body and and the body contact and so on. So that becomes a very kind of interesting exercise. And so then I, I kind of play around with that. I say, okay, let's get the heart rate up to 130. Not so difficult, really. But then to keep it, it's more difficult. If I have a heart attack, then... <laughs> but, you know, to keep it there is more difficult, so it's more painful. And because it's more painful, it's more unpleasant. Because it's more unpleasant, there's more wanting. And because there's more wanting, there's more looking at the clock. And I look at the clock more. And then it's it's more difficult than to to just say, oh no, feel the body now, feel the body, and then be with what is not changing, what is unchanging. And if I do that, then it's possible to be more vigorous. And my body knows that if I do too much, you know, I'll just I, the, the desire to stop will be stronger than this experiment, and then I'll stop. I won't hurt myself. So so the 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 lesson for me there is that. When desire is more intense, it's very hard to notice the nature of change. Very hard to notice the change. When desire is not so intense, it's much easier to notice the nature of change. 
So in, in, our, in our meditative contemplative life, what we do is we introduce, as you know, we introduce these simple exercises of sitting, walking, and, and, and chores, and so on. And in that simplicity, we try to develop this, this intuition, or this sensibility, or this, this noticing of that which is not changing. And begin to do that a lot in, in the sweeping of a floor or the eating of food. And then this isn't the same as like, well, I have to concentrate, I can't think. Because that doesn't work. We should think more. I should just really be mindful the whole 15 minutes when I'm mopping the floor. Not thinking. It doesn't work. Because the thought is natural. But if I, I notice myself rambling on about something... And I and I and I make an I make an intention to do the sweep the floor or whatever with mindfulness. Then, as I notice the mind goes off into to say maybe some resentment or annoyance or planning, I can notice that and say, "What does the body feel like?" And then, what is it that is not changing? So I keep noticing change. And if I do that with the body, then I'll also become more and more skillful at noticing the like emotional tones that come, how emotions change, and then thoughts, how thoughts arise and cease. And also thoughts arise and cease. And what is it that doesn't arise and cease? I get better and better at it. Now, I can't always do this. I have to sometimes just really focus on what, you, you know, what I'm doing. So if you're pouring um, diesel fuel on a, uh, a wood pile and there's some embers nearby, you're going to really focus on that and, and be careful that you don't harm yourself and burn yourself and so on. But so so sometimes we just really be, need to be focused on the really you know be very careful and focused on the object which is which is part of our our, our possibility to, to do that. <laughs> but if we if we don't notice this other, the unchanging, then we're forever reacting, I think, to the conditioned realm. And that reactivity is comes from oftentimes a very good place of trying to be kind and, and and mindful and so on, but that reactivity is just is not really noticing where the peace of the mind lies. It doesn't lie in, in, uh, in sense consciousness. It lies in that which is unchanging. You can notice that. You notice that all the time. It's always there. Anytime you you have the um, capacity to say, well, what's a change? You know, how does it, like, the, to notice change, then you'll notice if you Awakened that you know, I was unchanging. Now, if I'm just focused on the things I want to, uh, uh, that I need to change, I'm just on the objects, and it's endless. That's endless. It's always, you know, always. So I'm trying to find the unchanging and the changing, which is ridiculous. But the irony of it is, by noticing change and being aware of change, I also know there's that unchanging. Why? Because the the perception of change is particularly. And it's brilliant of the Buddha to say, indicate, well, that's the one you want to, you know, try, check that one out. Ajahn Chah, it's uncertain. Check that one out. What happens when you do that? You know, it's change. Oh, you know, it's the unchanging. Oh, brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Desire wants to change experience to be a certain way. So when I'm on the machine, the desire wants the experience to be less painful or less boring or, or quicker and so on. But I can use that I, because it's such a repetitive thing to do and it's so very easy to do. I'm not absorbed into um, complexity that I have to deal with. 
So then you try to, you, and this is the pattern I've always found very helpful, is to take take the simple, like simple life's experience, and, 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 and figure out what's profound in that. And then the more you notice that, the more you intuit that, the more you return to that, the more you remember that, whatever word you want to use, the more it will, that possibility will arise in complexity. So then people, you know, people are very complex. And uh, all of us have conditions that we bring from our families and friends and social environments. And we, we've been conditioned to respond to human situations even differently. They're different. So the way um, I respond to something is different than another person. And, and the way my condition is different. And, and so we come together and these differences arise. And we and we have feelings, we have emotions. That's the way we are, humans. And then these, these emotions come up, and they generally go off into thinking. And then we maybe we get reactive, right? We get reactive and and try not to think that way, and try to look at another object in order to get rid of that way of thinking. Well, it works for a little bit, but then we pop up with that same pattern again. Whereas this way, if you can if you can notice that the mind is now in in some kind of emotional turmoil or just kind of emotional blathering <laughs> or whatever it is kind of going on and you and you have enough sensitivity or, or enough insight enough presence of mind enough alacrity of mind to notice so this is emotion just that oh, this is an emotion this is a stress, whatever you want to go. Oh, and how does it feel? And, that, and, and notice the changing nature of that emotion, and then reflect on what's unchanging. Then, that's not a problem. It's just, it's just karma, karma coming through you. But if you don't have enough alacrity, flexibility, uh, wisdom, uh, insight, patience, all those different factors which make for a, an awakened mind... If you don't have that, then the reactivity sets in, the storyline sets in, and the habit is perpetuated and deepened. Bad karma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, so we, 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 the, 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 there's, there's nothing particularly right or wrong about our emotional reactions. What we try to do is we try to live in ways so where we don't harm each other. We try to ways so we have right speech. We have the reflections on uh, universal kindness and compassion and so on. And those are those really help us to, to, to set up uh, ways of functioning where we don't have a lot of remorse or regret because that just make, that's really hard to, to notice the unchanging when the mind is full of remorse and regret. So we try to basically try to do our best to be good people. But so, so you know, consider how uh, just like a walking meditation, you walk for, walk for half an hour, walk for an hour, whatever you like, and actually keep remembering the perception of change and notice that not even feel the body changing. You have to be quiet. You have to be quiet and notice something that's going on uh, for the sake of just noticing what's going on. Not to get a, a, an ulterior result, but just notice how the body's changing and then you'll notice it's unchanging. Now, if you enter into the walking meditation, I'm going to try to notice the unchanging. There's always a desire there. You're trying to get something that some teachers recommended and then you're you're not noticing the way things are. So constantly we're emphasizing, so how does it feel to feel upset? 
you know, how does it feel to be really inspired? What's that feeling? And, and how, what's the changing nature of that? And then what's unchanging? So rather than like say to a person who's really inspired, and say, oh, that'll change. That kind of sour grapes Buddhism. That's not what it's about. It's not like you shouldn't feel inspired, you stupid idiot. It's just going to fall and you're going to get depressed. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's about noticing the unchanging. So then you feel inspired and you feel that energy and, and you feel the thoughts around it. And then to have enough experience, I suppose, to know that if you attach to the inspiration, you'll attach to the disappointment. To have gone through that cycle 600 times, and then to say, oh, inspiration, I wonder what the changing nature of that is, and then say, oh, and what's unchanging in this? Then, you know, the first time we got uh, like a really good meditation experience, maybe, your mind just went bananas with joy. Oh, wow, I'm going to do this forever. Most of us. And I'm sure I'm in line or whatever. And, and then, of course, it's just impossible to maintain that or keep it going or, or re- reproduce it. And then the disappointment. But to actually like feel some, some powerful, profound experience in consciousness and then say, well, what's unchanging? That's stunning. That stunning piece of awareness. So when we read, when we read Lumpa Cha's biography, really Lumpa Liam's biography, you know, they have profound experiences which affect them. And, and then they question, what is it? And they say, no, it's just, it is what it is. They come back to awareness. And then about choice, all teaching, like uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. Now, if you just take it as an existentialist, it's uncertain, we're all going to die, then you get just depressed. Because it seems like it's, it's all there is, but the whole reflection on uncertainty shows you something that we don't tend to notice because we're eyes are burning, nose is burning, tongue is burning, and so on. We're caught up with emotions and sense experience in a way which is sometimes very beautiful, very pleasant, very unbeautiful, but our whole attention is preoccupied with sense door, sense consciousness. So we pick boring or neutral kind of exercises, walking back and forth, watching the breath, and in that neutrality, first of all, we have to learn to settle the mind, so the kind of busyness of our mind, you know, we, we kind of wear that down on a retreat, and we, we try not to pick up a lot of... Um, Input so we don't play around with our gadgets and things like that and and let the mind become more calm because it's not getting a lot of stimulation so some some sense sense restraint we call it sense restraint and that helps the mind to settle down but that would only you know that would only be a circumstantial thing if you didn't do anything with it it's like a it's like an opportunity or a tool just sense restraint or sense deprivation almost. Uh, in itself produces calming effect. But what do you do with that calming effect? Is it just, is it, is it like a circumstance that you have to keep repeating? And so the, like the, the, the idea of going back to work or family is just absolutely a horror show. Because that would be attachment to the environment. The environment could be helpful. But what, how could I make the, this environmental situation, the circumstance, fruitful and helpful? Well, I, what it does, it enhances samadhi, or enhances presence or awareness. And in that, I, I develop this kind of skill of noticing change, and then noticing the unchanging. 
So that begins to resonate with me all the time, all the time. And you find if you do that, it begins to operate. You notice something that, that, that's there all the time. And you begin to incline to that way of resting the mind. You know, when you, when you notice the unchanging, it's like, like, it, it's very much resting the mind, like putting, putting the car into neutral. You're not, you're not doing anything now. You're just allowing that, that noticing to function. And it functions by itself. That's the odd thing about it. And when people ask me, should I do this practice and should I do that practice? I and mean, it's all very, very good. But sometimes I feel that people are just trying to get somewhere. And, you know, practices are great. I've done all kinds of practices. But sometimes I just you know, get a sense that there's a kind of reaction. I, I, don't, I don't want to. I want some experience in the future. But as long as that, that bias is there, I want something in the future. I won't be aware in the present moment. And if I'm not aware in the present, I won't notice the unchanging. Because my attention will be preoccupied with change and trying to change and trying to get and trying to become and trying to get rid of and la-di-da, how it goes. So the, 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 um, the kind of just simplicity and neutrality of a retreat and not filling up the, of the mind with all kinds of um, stuff, uh, uh, simple, fairly simple uh, responsibilities and so on, is very, very uh, useful. Not just for calming the mind, but for getting this kind of deeper sensitivity to what's unchanging. You need to intuit that. And so when you sit down, say for the, um, like just before the meal, or before the meditation, or when you're eating, you start to make that quite a strong theme. So in the eating of food, what's unchanging in this experience? And you can still experience pleasure with the food or displeasure. It still happens. It's natural. You're not, you're not denying all of that. But no, the mind isn't burning with that anymore. It's not burning with that because there's a refuge which is not dependent on taste, for, for instance. All right, I'll leave that for your reflection. Sadhu, <coughs> <coughs> <coughs>